if you are creating something because you think, oh, you know, I want to sell it, I want to exit it, I really think it will um, make you take the wrong decisions, will distract you, and will not uh, help you focus on the tough choices that you need to make. Welcome to Screw It, Just Do It, brought to you by Startup You, inspiring and supporting entrepreneurs to make a full-time living doing what you love. I'm your host, Alex Chisnell, fellow entrepreneur, Virgin mentor, and founder of Startup You, the regional partner of Virgin Startup, providing startup funding, mentoring, and support. Each episode features the stories from two entrepreneurs at different stages in their journey who talk us through their successes and failures. You get to take on board all of their learnings and none of the failure. Today's podcast is brought to you by Hayes, who are the number one recruiting experts in the UK. Whether you're searching for your perfect job or looking to scale your business by building the perfect team, go to hayes.co.uk, quoting Startup You. Welcome to episode 73 of Screw It, Just Do It. I'm your host, Alex Chisnell. And on today's show, I welcome Vasiliki Petru. Now, Vasiliki is Group CEO and Executive VP of Unilever Prestige. This is the premium division of Unilever Personal Care, home to six differentiated brands across luxury skincare and hair care, including Dermalogica, Murad, Ren, Kate Somerville, Living Proof, and Hourglass Cosmetics. She's got more than 25 years in the industry, and she champions authentic, innovative, and purpose-driven brands that drive social change and offer truly progressive products, and is really, really passionate about supporting female entrepreneurs. She also happens to be fluent in four languages, holds an MBA from the Columbia Business School in New York, and a master's degree in English and Communications from the University of Texas. She's also a Fulbright Scholar, recipient of the Kellogg Foundation Fellowship, recognizing female leaders, and current chairwoman of CEW UK, the leading beauty industry association. So, that's a hell of an introduction. Um, it felt right to have this interview at this time, coming off the back of our last live events um, in Bournemouth at this workspace, which was a sold-out event for uh, celebrating female entrepreneurship, inspiring female entrepreneurs. Um, seemed like the perfect storm of the five amazing entrepreneurial speakers and the right subject matter as well. So it seemed like a really good time to get Vasiliki on, which we've been trying to do both of us for quite a while. So it was great to actually finally sit down and talk to her. Um, I thought it'd be really interesting for you to listen to um, a role audience, you know, being um, startups acquiring well-known brands and trying to turn them um, into even more successful brands. So um, really interesting to um, pick her brain on branding, um, what the latest innovations and trends are, what you can do to to grow your brand, etc. Um, so really interesting um, leading into our next 
series of live events which are all based around how to build a knockout brand. We've got um, a 28th of June in Bournemouth and we've got July the 12th in London and we've also got a more hands-on workshop um, about how to build a brand for your startup um, in Bournemouth at our HQ on July the 4th. So just go to our Eventbrite page under Startup U to check all those out. But without further ado, let's start up. Last month, um, I held a, a sold-out event here in, in Bournemouth. So we're at Ray Kelvin's um, Ted Baker Founders' first co-working office space, um, which is in Bournemouth on the south coast. And he's going to be opening them all over the all over the UK. And we we hold a monthly event here. And interestingly, last month we held an event called um, Inspiring Women Entrepreneurs, which was the fastest-selling event we've done in doing events for two years. Um, sold out, which was amazing. Um, and interestingly, when I when I um, googled your name, the title, the first thing that came up was a title of an article that was called "Inspirational Women," and you're you're at the top of it. So I wanted to ask you, um, starting out in in your life in your career, did you ever think that you'd be referred to in those terms? Oh, I'm so honored to hear uh, inspirational leader because um, it's inspiration that drives me. It's kind of my breath in life, you know. And um, I was talking about it finally enough this morning because they asked me, where do you get your inspiration from? Mm -hmm. And uh, it's all external. I don't get it internally, but really by talking to people um, and entrepreneurs or people in the beauty industry that I'm in, but also uh, related industries. Inspiration comes from everywhere. Um, in my sector, I would talk to think tank people like in biotech, mm -hmm. uh, in Silicon Valley, or uh, but also, you know, simple SMEs who are uh, have a brilliant idea and are making a business out of it. Uh, and then uh, anybody really, because um, the ideas come from everywhere. It's how we synthesize them and we see the patterns and then you have a clear vision about where is, is it going. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think my message would be to just be open, keep the antennas open. Open. Um, inspiration and information and intelligence comes from everywhere and then have that uh, flexibility and openness to synthesize and to see the patterns. Mm. And, and who inspired you to get to where you are today? I think as a child, it was really my father. Was it? Uh, oh, yeah, wow. cool. funnily enough, he was always a man that focused on the possibilities and having always an open, positive mind. He would always tell me to be kind to people and always to do the right thing and mm. the goodness and think abundance, you know, all these concepts that are now becoming popular. Yeah. I had the privilege to mm. have a father who kind of always taught me to think like that. So it kind of came naturally, you mm. know, and he's always been um, a thought leader for me. And, and did you, what was a child like growing up for you? Was there any family background in, in business, in entrepreneurship? 
Uh, actually, my father was um, a manager at a bank, at the industrial bank in Greece. We were, li- we were living in kind of a small town, I would say, with London standards. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mother as well was very dynamic as a mother. But funnily enough, in those years, her father did not allow her uh, to go to university, despite being like a math genius at the wow. time, you know. Yeah. She and the, her sister were taken away from the train station, that we, they were going to get the train to go to university because women, you know, in that age should not be allowed to go to university. So, in a way, it has worked as an impetus for me to take revenge back, you know. So, I'm very much about uh, helping women, you know, empowering women through education, financial independence, vocational training, because I do believe that uh, you need financial independence to be who you are and to not be accountable to anybody about what you want to do with your life so mm. it was a positive experience sometimes a barrier can act as a positive impetus and this is what happened in my case yeah it's, uh, talking to you off air before it was interesting how we um we did this event last month and it was the fastest selling event that we've done literally every seven views on eventbrite someone would buy a ticket and the event was five um women female entrepreneurs talking about how they inspire other females to become entrepreneurs. And I just thought, was it the subject matter? Was it the speakers? Or was it like a perfect storm almost in that it's very much in the, not that it's ever gone away, but something I read that, that you'd, you'd talked about last year in December 2017 at a talk saying the next 20 years is going to be about the year of the, it's going to be about females coming yeah. to the forum business. And I thought, yeah, yeah, have I caught the beginning of this wave because it was almost like the perfect yeah. storm for, for this event yeah. and it was unbelievable, you know, and a lot of the ladies there said to me, you know, females are more inclined to to go to events and to help each other and Absolutely. I thought, I've never thought about that before, whereas the males, they might stay at home and they might be, yes. you know, online behind a computer, hiding behind a computer, whereas the females, they want to go out, they want to talk to each other, they want to help each yeah. other. Yeah, there's solidarity, definitely, Mm. and uh, much more of a community feel, Uh, women with women, I call it sisterhood sometimes, Uh, but uh, definitely you are catching the wave as it starts. I always say the future is female, and um, what happens in business is that uh, women also are leveraging uh, much more just the analytical skills. Um, I think they're more easily tapped into creativity, innovation, um, uh, filling the gut, you know, when we're taking a business decision. And that's why they say now the latest research from Harvard Business School is that uh, the diversity in boards is key because it always leads to better business results. Mm. It's not just one profile, but a, a woman brings in a much more diverse set of skills that actually helps a board to do better decisions. I'm adamant about it. I mean, I see it in my business every day out of the six companies, funnily enough, and without any remediated intention. Uh, I've got six CEOs, 50% are women, and uh, I'm the other women, so we skew more women. Uh, and again, it just happened. I always look for the best person for the job. Uh, yeah. and 
I'm delighted that this is the case because we are much more balanced, you know, mm. as a division. Yeah, it was, it was interesting. Like one of the stats we shared at our event was, um, if you look at the, the national stats of females starting a business, it, it's something like 25%. Yet at Virgin, our, it's quite interesting, the different dynamic is that 42% of people who start a business through Virgin Startup are female. And we thought, wow, that's nearly double what the national average is. So again, I don't know what the factors are within that. Maybe again, it's because we're quite a young company. We're coming up to our fifth year. And like you say, it, it, there's more of a, a wave of female entrepreneurs um, starting businesses and being inspired by other figures to start it's, a business. No, similar example in um, salons and spas. Uh, the figure is staggering. Uh, the majority of spa owners and therapists are actually women. And that's why in the, one of the companies we have, the big one, Dermalogica, yeah. uh, um, it's really part of our mission to help female entrepreneurs. And we teach salon owners not just how to sell products, but how to run a business. How do you get financing? Uh, how do you now in these days, you know, get better in social media? How do you bring more traffic to your salon? Because we believe that um, at the core of it, it's uh, uh, vocational training, education, and uh, having your own business, running your own business. Uh, and we see this trend, you know, more towards more community and uh, local businesses. Uh, so we want to support uh, that, and we want that to be a force of good uh, for society in that sense. And is that part of... Um I haven't talked about your, your, your role, but I know as, as well as your job. So group CEO, I believe an executive vice president of, of Unilever Prestige. Um, but as well as that, you're the, the current chairwoman of um, CEW UK, which is the leading beauty industry association. So is, is that more of what you just talked about before helping um, in that trend of like spa owners, that kind of thing as well? Yeah, uh, so CEW, it's the official and 20-plus uh, year uh, association, industry body, that essentially uh, connects uh, mostly women in business. Men as well can become members. The majority is women. The title is about yeah. women, executive women in cosmetics. And um, it's a great body because it uh, mentors people. It puts people together. We help startups as well to get introductions to major retailers like QVC, John Lewis, whoever it is, you okay. know. Yeah. And we help networking, but also we have a lot of mentorship sessions where a lot of senior people in the industry will give a talk and then a possibility for Q&A. So somebody who starts up in beauty has all the network at their availability uh, to help them uh, have, uh, in a way, the universe in your favor to succeed. Mm. And it's not that difficult. Uh, the people we are living, I think, at an unprecedented time of seismic change, as I call it, where the world is changing. You know, digital is taking all the barriers of entry to zero. Uh, so people who want to create a business can never have a better time than now. You yeah. know, of doing that. Uh, there is access to good manufacturing of formulas, products, etc. So for somebody who has a brilliant idea and who's been always passionate about it, there is no better time than now. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. Um, and, and talking about um, your, your role at 
Unilever. So um, is eight brands that you're looking after, is that correct? So I've, I'd know like Dermalogica and, and Ren. I'll buy a couple of more, but six of them. <laughs> six, okay, okay. Um, and, and tell me a little bit more about, um, so I was interested to know, do all of those brands, do they still have input from the, from the founders as well? Yeah. Oh, wow, yeah. do they? Okay. Oh, yes. I'm a big believer in that. And actually, mm. this has been a little bit our differentiating factor versus other companies and how they do acquisitions, etc. Yeah. For us, the founder is part of the soul of the company. And we actually want to keep uh, as much as possible, uh, ideally 100%, the DNA of the company intact in terms of the compass, the soul, the mission, you know, what is the um, good agenda to do good things to society and the environment. That stays intact. Um, also, you know, like in dermatological case, for example, the expertise on education. Mm. How do we get to educate more uh, trainers and therapists and professional skin care therapists? So in a way, we see our role as an accelerator of the good values we buy versus crushing those values because that would be crazy, right? Why would you want to buy a company and change it? What you want is how do you retain the values, the juice, the jewel of what you bought, yeah. uh, then help it to accelerate faster around the world so that more women can get advantage of the wisdom, wealth, skincare, whatever a company is selling, mm. you know? And and what qualities do you look for um, when you're looking to uh, acquire a brand? Be sure, a couple of things. Uh, always, uh, um, I'm looking for a very strong idea, a very strong benefit. What is the change we're making on somebody's life? You know, whether it's her skin, her makeup, but really her life. Mm. Are we really making an impact on her life? Uh, when I bought Hourglass, I'll give you a personal example. Yeah, please uh, do. I went to a counter and uh, there was an Hourglass lady and she was uh, she sold me into Vanish Stick, which is uh, a foundation stick. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm quite a clumsy person and in the past, you know, with all my crazy life, <laughs> I would just run out of the house, you know. Now, the beauty of this product is that it helps you have a flawless foundation, but do it in zero time and with zero kind of skill. So this product may, made a huge impact on my life because I was well-groomed. People started saying, oh, my God, you look so great today. And it was really that that had changed, you know. Mm. So I thought... My God, if we find those brands that go beyond just uh, brands to making a positive impact on the world and women's confidence, how they feel, how the, we give them, um, you know, tools to do better, whether they're interviewing or doing their job, etc. That's kind of interesting. So mm. the power going back to what I'm looking for is um, the power of the benefit and the change, the impact we're making on somebody's life. And then their mission. What is their mission? And then obviously the values of the company. Are they um, in harmony uh, with the values of Unilever? Uh, Unilever, probably you know, its, very, its mission is around sustainability, doing very good things about the planet, mm. and uh, also social change, empowering women. We have a lot of our plans that are actually linked to the UN uh, sustainable goals. Mm -hmm. uh, 
So it needs to be a congruence of values. And a lot of times we will meet great companies, but we will not want to work with them because we don't see that congruence. It's like a marriage, you know? Yeah, yeah. The need to be close. It doesn't mean that somebody is bad or not good or whatever, but it needs to have this harmony because it's a journey for the long term and it's a journey of values, essentially. Mm. And how do you, because assuming given that you've got the, the resources of, of Unilever behind us, how do you help somebody like Dermalogica uh, reach its full potential given what they've already achieved in, in, in the world? Absolutely. So one is um, accelerate uh, expansion to more countries. Recently, we've relaunched in France. Uh, we're launching, as we speak, in Italy. Uh, Dermalogica already is present in 100 markets, but uh, some of the key markets were not tapped before. Right. And then uh, what we're helping is because we have intelligence about the future and uh, we have one of the biggest number of PhDs in research and development, for example, we have access to super-duper formulas uh, that we can bring in and blend uh, with the future uh, Dermalogica formulas. So the one plus one equals 10, you hmm. know? Yeah, yeah. And, and that, uh, I was so happy uh, yesterday, actually, that we got this uh, email from a blogger uh, that uh, talked about one of our brands, and she said that this is by far the best skincare product ever. Hmm. And she did um, herself before and afters. And I was so thrilled because Every time that we're making a change and an impact on somebody's life, it's a magical moment, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, so back to what we're bringing, geographical expansion, uh, help with innovation, uh, especially knowing uh, what are the big waves that are coming our way for the yeah. next five years. A lot around, you know, as you know, now everything is going digital in terms of social media, uh, but then data analytics, uh, understanding your consumer and how can you always provide a very personalized and bespoke service um, around technology. This is an area where we're helping as well all of the business. Uh, because those areas, as you know, they're very um, technology-led, technology needs investment, it needs uh, also knowing where to go because there are so many sources and you need to kind of have some kind of filter. Mm. And I think all of that really helps uh, to keep the good and accelerate them and equip them with a lot of tools of the future. Great. And, and with regards to, uh, I read that you, you know, you're responsible for, you, you mentioned being, having to act agilely um, and be like a startup. How do you manage that within such a, such a huge corporation? I can kind of relate to that with Virgin Startup is, you know, Richard's not for profit within a huge organization of like 80 other businesses, which is, which is crazy, but I, yeah. I can kind of relate to, 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 yeah. to that problem. What has helped in my case is that we made early on the decision that we would run the companies outside the main business because um, uh, prestige is very different to mass. The channel is completely different. So essentially, we run it very much outside. Mm -hmm. uh, if you didn't, most of the people don't know that the companies belong to Unilever. Like a lot of the companies right. don't know which companies belong to LVMH. You know, mm. there are 
10, 15 companies out there that nobody knows that it's LVMH. It's nothing bad. I always think it's a good thing because uh, if the company has the right values, as I was saying before, it can only equip you with tools, uh, financing to do go- good and better things. Yeah. I think the new thing that we brought in the industry versus other prestige companies is that we kept the companies uh, very independent versus what is uh, adopted out there. So every company is run by their own CEO. Um, they are responsible for the global PNL. Um, they make the decisions. Uh, so they make all the decisions. Decisions. They would only agree with me pretty much um, a three to five year uh, plan. Yeah. And then our discussions are around strategy, innovation, talent, skills, future proofing the organization for the future waves that are coming, mm. a strategy around geographic expansion, things like that. Okay. And that's the difference. Most of the companies that I know, normally when they integrate, they integrate quite a lot. You know, they collapse the ERP systems. Uh, and normally, if you don't do it well, that causes a lot of disturbance and disruption to a company. Mm. I believe in the new model where you have to, uh, one size does not fit all. Every company is very different. And you need to feel where is the soul of the company? What is the value that I can give to this company? And how can I maximize uh, the essence of what it has? That one size does not fit all. It's new, you know, Mm -hmm. because most of the people feel more comfortable having one cookie cut approach. They like to write in a piece of paper. That's our approach, you know, and then we do it everywhere. I don't think that works anymore, Hmm. you know. I believe the future uh, companies that can crack uh, the um, not one size fits all are a better cha- have a better chance to win because they're much more agile, much more in tune with their consumer, they're more in touch with their community yeah. of uh, uh, beauty advocates, you know, that uh, they are reaching out there and they're more authentic and the future is more about authenticity, transparency, who you are versus the one cookie approach, you know? I think I think you're right. We were having that very conversation yesterday and looking at you know some of the retail reports from the high street in the in the restaurant trade, thinking um, you know, the the Jamie Oliver Italians or the Prezos, etc. Maybe that's not the way for the future. You can't just cookie cutter um, you know, this one size fits all restaurant and roll it out in every high street in the country because people are clearly rebelling against that and want want something a bit more uh, niche that they can, a bit more personalized that they can relate Absolutely. to. Mm. Absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. Personalization is key. You always yeah. react differently to somebody calling you by your name, mm. you know, simple things like that because then you're not just uh, a number. You are a body with a name, with a unique set of preferences. That's why they say data is king. I mean, data, when done uh, rightly, uh, it's a powerful tool because ultimately what you're trying to do is to delight your consumer with uh, ahead of them thinking about what they want. Uh, And it's always about offering wow experiences so that you can make a significant positive impact in their life. Mm. And um, wanted to ask you, given your experience, um, a couple of decades worth with different brands, for you, 
Um, what, was you, what does the word brand mean to you and, and how would you define it? Because you must work with so many different companies, but equally there must be commonalities within them as yeah, well. Absolutely. I think the best brands have a very strong point of view. You need to have a very strong point of view. What is your point of view? What is your point of difference? What do you stand for? Mm. What's your benefit? Uh, not just functionally, i.e. what is the skin benefit you give me as a brand, for example, but also what is the emotional benefit? How do you make me feel? Mm-hmm. Um, which uh, sometimes not everybody is focused on. When you can arouse a feeling in somebody, you create over time an emotional bond. Uh, and that is very powerful, you know. And then uh, uh, brands that can also create a community through a common shared uh, value system are very powerful. Um, I'll give you an example. Recently, I was uh, leaving the office and I saw an Adidas runners club. It was like a van. I don't know if you've seen them. Apparently, they drive all over town. No. uh, I saw these runners and I went over and said, oh, what's going on? They said, oh, what a runners club. You should join, etc., etc. And they would just meet uh, at 6 p.m. You know, they meet on Instagram and Facebook and stuff. And... Mm. uh, Mm. It's like a, it's a community thing. And I thought, you know, over time, this kind of runner's club by Adidas has a special emotional bond. Mm. Because you relate to people, you, you're part of a family, you know, which is called runner's club. Yeah. And I've seen it the other day, even my daughter, uh, we bumped into the, the rollers club, uh, you know, the rollers that go uh, rollerblades. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you yeah. seen it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I yeah, know what you mean. Yeah. It's yeah. so much fun. And my daughter was 12. She said, Mommy, they, they phone that card because we got a card of a teacher to teach us. Phone that card because, see, people uh, they want to be to belong. Mm, yeah, 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 absolutely. Belong. And also, they want to push themselves to do something different. So, the brands that um, can uh, provide that, uh, I think they will be ahead of others. Really, really good, really good answer. Really enjoyed that. Uh, and how important um, is it to be to be purpose driven, especially you know knowing some of the stories of the brands you work with, particularly um, the Dermalogica story. Yeah, uh, all of the brands actually have a very big purpose. Purpose is our uh, compass. It's uh, what defines us. It's our soul as a division. Uh, So in a way, when you asked me what makes you choose a brand, uh, if I see a purposeful brand, uh, it's an immediate uh, brand to look at much more seriously than others. Mm. Uh, So that is very important. Um, Like we said about Dermalogica, our glass, the Color Cosmetics brand, has declared to go vegan in three years. Uh, which in color cosmetics, it's almost impossible because Mm. uh, a lot of the color pigment, actually, it's coming from uh, animal sources. The founder is uh, 100% dedicated to uh, go vegan and we are supporting. I have the whole 
people are in the department actually dedicated and helping us to achieve it. Really? Uh, so, so with hmm. the brands, what we're trying to do is bring social change. REN is another example because it's also a British company. Yeah, yeah. The first company that has made waves now in the US uh, where it has uh, made a declaration uh, to um, uh, going 100% uh, recyclable and using most of its packaging through ocean plastic. Okay, plastic cool. It's recyclable from the ocean. Yeah. And they work with the Surf Rider Foundation yeah. uh, in Los Angeles to clean up the beaches and the ocean from plastic. Um, if I keep talking, I will reveal a lot of confidential stuff. But <laughs> no, that's, it's a really that's good enough. Project. Yeah, yeah. It really, you can see the passion that people have to not just sell products, but make a positive change to the environment, but also to the industry. Because now Sephora is using it as an example to get other brands as well to mm. do good. So, like that, we become catalysts for positive change. Awesome. And, and I just wanted to, to finish with, because I know you're ridiculously busy, but um, to ask you, um, do you think that, uh, especially given your, your track record with acquisitions, do you think somebody starting a business today should already be thinking of exit strategy? Obviously, they're starting the company, but sometimes you think, do you, do you start with the end in sight and reverse engineer that, that process? I have a very easy answer on this. It's interesting you're asking me this because this is what I said to a friend of mine who now he has a company of about six million and they were talking about selling. And I told him, I don't want to hear again about selling. I truly believe when you start, you need to do what you love and mm. you need to do it well. The only thing you should be thinking is how much more can you do of what you love? You know, this should be the primary and only objective. How do you spread the love of your creation in a way? How can you facilitate more people to taste the service you're providing, the product or whatever it is, you know? And this should be really the... Um, First, second, and uh, a hundredth kind of target. I truly believe that if you start, uh, if you are creating something because you think, oh, you know, I want to sell it, I want to exit it, I really think it will um, make you take the wrong decisions, mm. will distract you, and will not uh, help you focus on the tough choices that you need to make. I'll give you an example. In premium skincare, for example, it's very easy to make quick money. You can go, if, if it's prestige, you can uh, make some, uh, let's say, easier routes to get to a lot of sales very fast. You know, you mm -hmm. can go, what we say, more mass early on. And I think this is not the best choice because if you are truly dedicated to delivering a prestige experience, you can make, you need to make the hard choices of where do you need to be distributed? What is the service you're gonna be giving? Uh, these hard choices will only come when you're very dedicated and love what you do and have a very clear vision of what you're trying to achieve. If you start compromising or thinking, oh, how am I gonna maximize the sales and have like a quick win? 
it will only take you to gloom and doom. I can assure you of that. <laughs> no, great answer, sir. So, so come, you know, come from the heart rather than from the cold financial calculation, uh, really. Always. Yeah, Always. Yeah. Like the Dermalogica founders, I mean, for 25 years, they never really thought about selling. They were doing because they had um, a generous love for the industry, for vocational training, for supporting entrepreneurs. That's why Jane Warwant often talks about Dermalogica. This is an education company. And by the way, we sell product. We don't sell product because we, we sell product. That's our aim. We want to educate. And mm. then the product helps us to educate therapists and consumers. And that's how the company was born. I truly believe we need to find what we love and just do it generously. And consumers are voting all the time. Yeah. And when consumers vote, everything else is very easy. Bankers start calling, you know. Uh, but if we're not focused on what consumers love, then, then we'll get distracted. Well, what a job uh, she has uh, getting to work with some uh, amazing entrepreneurs um, and helping them uh, grow their brands who are already massively well-known brands, but um, trying to help them break open into new territories uh, at the same time, helping to inspire a next generation of female entrepreneurs. So really enjoyed listening to Vasiliki be great to get her to speak to to one at one of our live events as well is what I'm thinking um, loads of, of great takeaways um, what I a couple of the ones probably could pick up my energy changing and, and engaging then uh, really liked what she was saying about um, how different the experience is now if you're looking to to grow a business it's more about personalization for the customer and not necessarily um, cookie cutter approach, and I think as as I say, really seeing that in the in the in the high street, really, and p people rebelling against that cookie cutter approach approach in the um, in, in the restaurant industry. Um, so thinking about how you can make your business more personalised for each customer experience, each customer that that comes to you, how you can personalise that experience for them. Um, number of other things that. Um, that we could touch upon that, that Vasiliki talked about, um, being purpose-driven, trying to, to differentiate your brand, um, trying to future-proof it, so, so trying to think of different ways that you can engage with your customer, um, be relevant to that customer um, and, and the wider world at large, you know, what's happening in the, in the environment, particularly um, a lot of what we see in in the news at the moment as well, touching on that. So, um, you know, what is your purpose? Maybe you need to reevaluate that. Maybe you need to, to look back at your, your values. Maybe you've lost your way. I don't know if you're starting out on your journey. Um, trying to map those out from day one is, is key, I think, to helping you keep a compass, keeping that roadmap to help you guide. Um, and, and leading on to my last point, leading with your, your heart, not your head. So yes, we all want to obviously make enough money to put food on the table, um, to employ more people, to drive the brand forward, but it's got to come from the right place. So not thinking of an exit strategy to start with, um, but thinking coming from a place of love and, and coming um, 
coming from a place of feeling um, and how you're able to to grow that business um, with that in mind, making every decision, thinking about how you can make a better product or service, how can you improve your your customers' lives. So um, all of that really resonated with me. I hope it did with you too. Um, final note, please check out our Eventbrite page, Startup You. Would love to meet you at one of our live events that are coming up um, in the months of June and July before we take a break in August. And if you'd like to connect with me personally, would love to hear from you um, what challenges you're having with your business, any questions that you have um, at Alex Chisnell on both LinkedIn and Twitter or email me alex at startupu.co.uk. And would love a review of the show. If you've enjoyed what you're hearing, please just click on the review and ratings button on your podcast app on iTunes, whichever medium you listen to this to. And let us know and we'll give you a shout out on the show. Thanks so much for listening. Um, Have a great week. If you'd like the opportunity to attend one of our live events with some of the world's leading entrepreneurs, just go to startupu.co.uk and click on the events calendar. That's startupu with the letter U. From there, you'll be able to see what live events we've got coming up and book a ticket from as little as £5, which includes a complimentary drink and the opportunity to network with like-minded entrepreneurs. Hope to see you soon. If you're an entrepreneur looking for funding, mentoring or support, go to startupu.co.uk. And if you'd like to share your startup story, we'd love to hear from you. Just go to the contact page on startupu.co.uk and we'll be in touch. And if you like this podcast, please subscribe and I'd love it if you left me a review of the show. To connect with me personally, you can find me on Twitter, LinkedIn and Facebook at Alex Chisnell. Until the next show, remember don't wait, the time will never be just right. Action always beats intention. This show is brought to you by RocketSpark, who make it easy for anyone to build a great-looking website. Each month, RocketSpark offer one lucky listener the opportunity to get a website absolutely free for the next six months to do some in-market testing of a new idea. Just go to rocketspark.com slash screwitjustdoit to enter. Just do it to enter.